Coming up on Serial and Midnight, Frank Tarzi returns to give us a sneak peek on what's coming from Kino Lorber in 2024. Howdy guys, welcome to Serial at Midnight. My name is Heath Holland. I'm gonna keep this introduction short and sweet because we gotta get to Frank Tarzi. This is his third appearance at Serial at Midnight. By the way, if you haven't heard the first and second conversations, do go back and check them out. They are still relevant. The things that he said in those episodes do not necessarily overlap with what he's saying now. These tend to be topical, focused. We are looking back at 2023 in this episode, looking ahead at 2024. What worked, what didn't work? What will we see more of? What will we see less of? Uh, you know I asked him about Columbo. You know I asked him about why certain titles get a 4K and others don't. I even asked him about Olive Films because you may or may not know that Frank Tarzi is one of the people responsible for elevating Olive Films into the company that they became. He built that studio classic model and now that Olive Films is no more, I wanted to know how much of that library is going to migrate over to Kino Lorber. He answered the question. Uh, there's a lot of stuff here, even a few exclusive announcements that you don't want to miss. So huge thanks to Frank Tarzi for continuing to uh, support, to, to be here at Serial at Midnight. He does not do a lot of interviews. I do not take it for granted that he does these with me. It's a huge deal, and I'm very grateful for it. I'm also grateful to Kino Lorber. This is, I, listen, I love what Kino Lorber does. They are focused on movie history. I love movie history. It's my passion. It's a match made in heaven. So every single month, I get to cover every single new release from Kino Lorber and all their partner labels. So if you're not tuning into that coverage, I want you to know that that's out there. Every single month, I cover every title, and there are dozens of them. So uh, I, I'm really tremendously grateful to Kino Lorber for that too. Listen, we got a lot of ground to cover. We're about to spend an hour with Frank Tarzi, get an insight into what's going on behind the scenes at Kino Lorber. So without further ado, Mr. Frank Tarzi. Thank you for coming back for a third conversation, Frank. I'm really excited to talk to you. Sure. Um, you guys had a huge year for 2023, right? It was the, the Kino Cult label launched. A bunch of 4Ks came out, box sets. Was it 2023? Um, it was a pretty big year, right? Was it the biggest year? No, I wouldn't say it was the biggest year. It was a very good year. Uh, it was a better better year than 2022 was. Um, and I think 2024 is going to be a much better year for us than 2023 is. Um, so yeah, we're working on a lot of different packages. So I think, uh, the fans will be very happy with what's coming out next year. So well, there's a lot we already we have, I mean, we're already sitting on a lot of major titles that we've announced that we haven't been able to release yet because of how long it takes for us to remaster titles. Yeah. That's one thing that a lot of the fans don't understand is that, you know, we announce a title, we think it's ready to go. And then we run into an issue like Leviathan, a great example. We thought it was going to be very easy. We were just going to scan the camera negative and put it out on 4K. Most of the extras we were going to acquire from Shout because they had done some nice extras. We were going to do one or two new extras. Camera negative is not available. It's sat in Italy. And we waited close to a year trying to get access to that camera negative. In hindsight, we would have just gone ahead with what we did. We were just going to scan the interpositive and create the, uh, the HDR master from that, which, which is what we ended up doing. But the, if, when the option to get the original camera negative is there, we're going to wait. So right now we announced something like uh, The Last Castle. We announced it on, on this weekend. This is going to come out right away because 
it wasn't a film that I went out there looking to acquire on 444K. The Blu-ray just got released like a year ago. Um, but it had an HDR Dolby Vision Master still sitting, you know, and it was not going to cost us any more, you know, to release it besides the advance that we have to pay and authoring and replication. When you are removing the cost of a new transfer from these from these films, all of a sudden films that we were not even originally intending to release on 4K become like more of a possibility. You're like, oh, well, you know what? I could tell you there was eight movies or whatever that we knew had brand new HDR Dolby Vision Masters. Uh, one of those we were very happy because it was already on our list. The other ones we, I think, was three or four that we added. Maybe three or four, I, mean, I think it was three. The rest of them we were like, no, even even though they're brand new HDR Masters available, we just don't see them selling at all on 4K. And you know, last the last time. We ended up releasing titles like Indecent Proposal, Nobody's Fooled, and The Score, mainly because they were already fully restored by Paramount, by the good people of Paramount. So uh, this time around, Last Castle ends up being one of those films. Now, when we screen Last Castle in uh, in February, people are going to say, wow, you know, you just announced it and it's, come, it's being released, but you announced uh, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers almost a year ago, and it's still not. But, well, Invasion of the Body Snatchers the camera negative was in horrible shape, horrible shape. And a lot of the restoration that was done and for the previous release was not done. It was not saved properly or whatever it was. We just couldn't go back to do, to that. It was do, that, that master was an HD master. Now we could have done an up res and stuff like that to 4K, but that's not the, we don't play that game. We usually try to make sure if the if it's available for us to do a brand new transfer, we're going to do it. So it's probably gonna that that transfer is probably gonna cost us more than any transfer has cost us ever, but but we wanted wow. to also release it. So we worked out a deal to do that. Um Paint Your Wagon, originally I felt that it wasn't a big enough film to put out on 4K. We put it out on Blu-ray. Um, but then we realized the master is gonna cost us an arm and a leg. It's like three-hour film. And we negotiated a deal with the mastering house where they're going to give us the HDR for no additional cost. So now I'm like, okay, now we can put this out on 4K. Because if we're going to be spending that much money on it, we just can't put it out on Blu-ray. We have to put it out on both formats. Um, so there's reasons why titles get announced and don't come out until a year later. Well, this is why this is where I have to ask you about Colombo because you were here in February of 2023, and it's now I think it's going to hit a December release date, and people are like, "What happened to Colombo? Did it get canceled?" And there were those some changes. Can we can we can you comment on Colombo at all? Well, all I could say is that we had to drop the extras due to legally due to unforeseen issues. Um, we cannot really get into the reasons why. I mean, Jim Benson, Mark Dewitziak, Scott Skelton that spent months on these releases. You know, these cost us a lot of money. We paid everybody, so everybody's been paid. Uh, they've asked me, can you give me more details? And I, can, I cannot share details with them. Mm -hmm. So if I cannot share details with the people that have spent six months <laughs> of their lives working on these extras, and they were involved in about 20 or 25 of the commentaries, how am I going to share that with anybody else? So that's yeah. that thing. Um, the reason it's delayed, it was delayed from November to December is because it's such a huge package. The replication went and, and uh, building of the box that was going to take a long time. 
and we were not going to be able to hit the original street date of pre-Thanksgiving Tuesday, um, which would have been next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's a huge disappointment for us. We wanted to release it right because that's right before Black Friday and everything else. That's the street date right. we were shooting for. Um, but but because uh, because we just couldn't have, make those street days, we had to move it to December. The second box set is going to come out probably next, you know, springs, maybe early summer. Um, and also, when you release a box set of 20 discs, each one with four to five hours worth of material on it, it just clogs up everything. Mm-hmm. So it's now it's caused delays in other spots. Some films that we were going to be coming out that were going to be originally on time are now going to be late because of this. So that's another reason for us not to do full, complete series and do season by season like we're doing with Monk. Yep, I got Monk right here. I, this is my visual aid for the audience. Monk season one right here. Doing a yeah, and that's going to come one every month. So season two, season three, we just uh, are working on, on the January season three release. And so by, by, by early summer, we'll be done with the Monk series. Now, that was another thing. We acquired that show thinking it would be one of the easiest releases we'll ever have because they had already done some nice little extras for them. We were not going to do new extras. They had beautiful new 4K masters, so we were going to put them out. But then we ran into an issue with the, with the original masters. We received had some issues. And and, uh, it was, and it was the funny thing is that that's another situation where the issue that was there, I would say 95% of the people to even 99% of the people would have not even noticed it. But the loudest one percent yep. would have, and yep. they would have posted everywhere about it. And we we went back and fixed that issue. The authoring house did not notice the the, the problem. The people that were doing the QC for us did not notice the problem. Nobody had noticed it. It just happened that I saw a few seconds, and I was like, "Oh, pull <laughs> the horses." Some of this stuff goes on for years. Do you remember? Wasn't it? Uh, it was a uh, Twelve Monkeys. Arrow put out a release of Twelve Monkeys, and it had a a loop that was like that was like twenty or thirty seconds. That looped. That had been it was the four their four K release that people noticed it, but it had been in the Blu Ray master or the Blu Ray release yeah. for like two or three years. Nobody yeah. noticed it. It was yeah. when four K yeah. magnifying glasses came out that we people fixed, started. We fixed the uh, Death Wish. The previous Blu Ray of Death Wish. Uh, in the HD master that was being seen everywhere had a loop of a scene of the press conference in the middle of the scene where Bronson is in the restaurant eating and watching watching them talk about there was like a little um, a few frame loop that shows up for a second and it almost seems intentional because there's a lot of the scene is, has a lot of lights flashing and the glare of the television is flashing and stuff like that. But we watched it. I was like, I, I don't remember this being in the movie. And then we went back and actually looked at the DVD, and it was not on the DVD. But it was on the previous uh, Blu-ray, and it was on the camera negative. This issue actually, whatever happened, it happened somehow by mistake somewhere. And we were able to go back and fix it. I'm and impressed we, that you we, know. We the... didn't even announce the fix because yeah, nobody saw the mistake. Right. Arrow, unfortunately, when they did that, they probably didn't. Nobody noticed it. The fans noticed it. We uh, noticed the mistake with Death Wish and we fixed it. I'm impressed that you were able to, that you know these movies so well that you're able to catch this stuff. 
that you we did. were death wish was it was kind of like complicated because there was a couple of stuff that we were like is this audio that's in the scene is this correct and those when we went back and we actually checked the original and we checked the vhs and all that and they're all there but the, that scene um it puzzled me how did it how did it end up on the camera negative of the, of the feature mm-hmm. it was almost like spliced incorrectly into some spot yeah um and then uh, but it was fixed thank god we fixed it because uh, yeah. the last thing we needed was to do a uh, replacement program for Deathwish. <laughs> I mean, that replacement program is a big deal. That's a huge cost, right? That's the wor- one of the worst things. Yeah, you it is. To- it is, and we've done we've done them in the past. Uh, you know, we did it for Hard Target. We did it for Out of Limits. One one uh, one disc. Uh, we did it for. Um, we've done it. We've done it probably a dozen or so times. Um, it is it is something that we all dread, and, but it happens, you know. Uh, there's certain things that are not caught um, either by the QC department or the master, mastering department or the authoring, the replication. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes somebody catches, like the whole thing with hard target was that on the HDR, the 5.1 was flipped. And so if you saw a train coming from the left side, it sound, you heard the sound from the right side. And unless you're putting headphones on and stuff like that, you're probably not going to notice it. Right. And, uh, but, you know, that was, that was, we fixed that one. Um, There's a lot of great 4Ks that, that Kino Lover has released over the last year or so. Where are you with 4K right now? Is it still as risky as it was about a year ago or has it gotten a little bit, have the costs come down a little bit? Uh, no, the costs have gone, the cost for mastering has gone up. Uh, cost for replication is where it was. We found a new authoring house partner that we could we could do authoring a little bit cheaper than we were a year ago. Um, again, it was like I reached out to a company that I knew that I was doing our Blu-rays. I told them, "How about you invest <laughs> into a 4K equipment?" Uh, he was like, "Well, can you promise me 20 movies a year?" I said, "I can probably promise you that." Now, in probably in a year or so, hopefully 50 movies a year, our goal is to start releasing four four, four UHD titles every every month. Wow. And I think in February we'll have four titles coming out. Um, Last Castle being one of them, Gunfight at Oki Corral being another one, because both of those were ready to go. Um, you were a knock on wood so that nothing happens between well, now and then. Yeah, I should. I should <laughs> the next thing you know, the, the audio for something is flipped and we're hearing Kirk Douglas talk when Burt Lancaster is supposed to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens. I feel like there's a, you know, the 4K fan is so vocal about their fandom with 4Ks. It's still the smallest market share of the, still the smallest piece of the pie there. Um, it, but yeah, it but is, when, it comes to, when it comes to our part of our type of business, uh, the collector's business, the boutique market, uh, yeah. the boutique labels, um, it's big. It's 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 when we you have a, was going there's a reason it. why we're all running or running and picking up all the films that we had previously released and putting them out on 4K, and in some cases I end up picking up something some another label had picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Mad Max, you know Misery, those were put out by Shout before, and uh, Silence of the Lambs was previously released by Criterion, you know, and we you know and. Ronan was previously released by Arrow. So so there are times that we look at it like, well, okay, 
they may not think this is 4K worthy, but we think it is. And they may have thought to go back and pick it up and miss the boat on it. That could have also happened. They may have said, oh, well, we are going to pick up Ronin back later to put it out on 4K, but not right now. And you know, when you do that, you always take that chance of somebody else coming in and picking up the film. Yeah. I mean, the, the really cool thing is that in some cases now, especially with Paramount being a great partner to us, they've actually done some titles like Gunfight at a Working Corral. Uh, we just, uh, I just mentioned Last Castle. There's another three or four titles that they had, another, at least another three films um, that they have already uh, uh, restored in uh, HD or Dolby Vision. And from those, from the total of five movies that I could think of right now, um, Gunfight at OK Corral, we were very happy to hear that. Was that a title that we were really looking out to, looking to put out on 4K? I don't think so, but once it was available, we're like, why not? Last year, the lesser ones did not do very well for us, you know, the ones that we took chances on. Yeah. Um, but because there was no restoration cost attached to them, we didn't end up losing money. They were actually profitable releases. So we're going to continue doing that. So whenever we announce something like Last Castle or when we announced a decent proposal last year or the score, people are like, well, how could you put this out and not that? It's because that is going to cost us a lot of more money than this will. And this is ready to go. This is ready to be released. Um, I'm very close to doing a new deal with Studio Canal. You know, we just signed the Paramount deal. Uh, we're very close to doing another deal with Studio Canal, and there's going to be some really cool HDR opportunities there for us that we're going to be putting. There's going to be some key titles that we're going to put out on, on 4K through uh, the Studio Canal package. Again, in some cases, the work has already been done. So Studio Canal has already restored the film. So for us, a film that... Okay, I'll give you an example. Something like Witness for a Prosecution, people have asked, why didn't you put this out on 4K? Because of depending on which studio you're dealing with, that uh, NG request grows higher from certain studio to certain studio. So the amount of the advance that we have to pay, let's say Studio A, is not the same. For the same title, we pay a lot less to Studio B. So the Studio B acquisition is a lot more attractive to us because we're paying less and in some cases, a lot of the work has already been done. Where Studio A is asking us top-notch 4K prices, no matter which 4K title we go after, no matter how much of a risk we're taking. So there are some titles that I really want to put out on 4K, but the, the asking price has to come down. Uh, I've We've... And we've put out three Billy Wilder films on 4K. We put out Some Like It Hot, The Apartment, and uh, Starlock 17. And all, all three have done really well for us, especially Some Like It Hot and Starlock. Uh, Apartment has done a little less, but you know, a little, a little less because more of a, you know, doesn't have Marilyn Monroe in it and not as, as big as a, not a, as a big film as, as Some Like It Hot. Yeah. Um, but I would I would love to do with this prosecution. It just I need to figure out a way to do it for at a cheaper rate. Mm -hmm. We are going to re-release the Blu-ray again. Um, 
encoded on a, as a BD50, adding subtitles, stuff like that. So it's going to look a little bit better. That's something we've been doing lately, and it's been uh, and, and 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 there's all this talk. Like, oh, look what Kino's just doing. Nobody releases. Yeah. Nobody releases more films first time on Blu-ray than us. Nobody. But we, if we have an opportunity to go back and fix a few of the problems on previous releases, like adding subtitles, encoding them better, uh, adding a trailer, a TV spot, an audio commentary, why not? Why not? So you're it? telling me that you didn't re-release White Lightning and Gator just so you could put slip covers on them? Because that's the conspiracy theory. The slip cover is a little bit more of a bonus that we, yeah, you know. But no, there's a percentage of people that will go buy it just because of slipcase. But if you didn't improve the, the actual release, mm -hmm. it was previously on a BD25, it's a BD50. This is going to be encoded at uh, 30 dpi per, per film. We added an audio commentary. We added TV spots and radio spots, stuff like that. So it's it's overall a much better release. Um, and we're, And it's actually coming out a cheaper SRP. The SRP, the original SRP for both of those films were twenty nine ninety five. They're all now twenty four ninety five. So you're wow. getting more for less. You're getting a slipcase, which is costing us money too. So all of that, you're getting more for less. And we just announced the last two to the. We did run silent, run deep, and I was surprised that Russians are coming was done as a BD twenty five because it's almost a, it's one hundred and thirty minutes long. Same with coming home. Both of those were done as BD twenty five, and they, both of them are going to come out of BD fifty now. Now, would I do that with a, a title like Top Cappy, which the master was very in very bad shape when we released it? I was not happy with that transfer. No, I would not. That one, I would. if I'm going to re-release it, I have to get a brand new master. But in most cases, if I think the original master was a very good one and it wasn't presented at, at, at the best the best we could have, why not? Why not re-release them? Especially if I'm going to renew them. You know, we're paying a new advance and everything else. Uh, uh, it's a very tough business. We have to regularly readjust, rethink how we're going to do things. Did the... I'm, I'm, I'm also working on his MGM deal, which I'm trying to pick up a lot of titles for the Kino Cult brand. Um, we're very, very excited about doing Kino Cult. It was, uh, it was, it was myself and Breadwood, the two of us. Brett had done the Ava channel Kino Cult, and I always, even when when that when he launched when they launched the Kino Cult Ava channel, I told him, oh, I don't know, it was like over two year and a half, two years ago, I said we're going to do this as a brand, as a home video brand, because I said there's a lot of titles I've put out as Kino Studio Classics that if I had Kino Cult available to me, I would have probably released them as Kino Cult, mm -hmm. Rawhide Rex, um, Deranged, you know, stuff like that. They felt the cult brand much better than they fit the studio classics um yeah and uh so as when you look at the first five films at the first three right uh, here two of them yeah. two of them were my acquisitions and two two of them were brett's okay and um so it's a this is something that we were working on together and i and if people see that the list of titles we picked up for we're trying to pick up from mgm and the new deal they're going to be excited. Are they all first time on Blu-ray? No. Some of them are previously released by uh, other labels. One or two have been previously released by us. Um, I think 
with Scorpion. Um, so, um, so I think this is gonna that that, that those are gonna be. I think the fans are gonna be very happy with that label. There's things that we did different when it, when you compare the two brands. First of all, every Kino Call release is gonna have an O card slipcase, which Studio Classes doesn't. The title treatment that's on the front of the cover will be on the spine and on the disc art of all the Kino Call titles. All the Kino Call titles will have numbered. Uh, they'll be numbered. And uh, the overall back, if you look at, if you pick up a Studio Classics and uh, you see the back, there's like a little bit of a difference of how we place things, you know. Uh, one has the, the silver banner with the two pictures next to you. The other one has the red banner that matches the spine. Um, I'm showing people. I'm I'm speaking so the camera switches to me and people can see it with their own eyes. Well, there's like a little little differences that little changes that we made to them. Yeah. And uh, I think that we, you know, it's it's really exciting. I think we could, we're going to be doing some really really great titles. You know. So. That's that is exciting. What what was the thinking behind that? Just the idea of the cult scene is driving the market. When I picked up the Elsa films, everybody was like. Frank, really? Studio Classics? <laughs> Elsa? Yeah. And I, people don't understand that at that point, I already had thought of, you know, Cult as a, mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a brand. So I originally, when we acquired it, it was like, it was going to be, you know, in a perfect world, we would, it would, it would have been, you know, called one, two, three, and four, but they're not. So they're going to be in there somewhere. But there's been always titles that I've released in the past. Like I said, Deranged, Rawhead Rex, some, um, you know, that I felt like did not really belong. Savage Sisters, stuff like that. Yeah. They didn't really belong in the Kino Studio Classics, even though AIP was a major, kind of a major, minor major studio. Yeah. I just felt like they'd fit, they would fit better under another banner. So I wanted to talk, touch base with you real quick about Westerns because this year we got Audie Murphy collections two and three, which are amazing. I wanted to thank you for those and ask like the Western seems to be picking up some steam from what I can see. Now I can't speak to sales. You can speak to sales, but there seems to be a growing interest in Westerns. We got new no, Western no, no, TV it's, it's, it's really, it's more Audie Murphy. Uh, okay. the, the Western collections that we put out did not do well. They did okay. The Westerns that we released, on standalones like Quantes and stuff like that did not sell great. The bigger ones, of course, sold better, you know, like, uh, but from all the actor sets that we had released, not counting Anna Mae Wong, which came out later, mm -hmm. she's kind of, she stands on her own because it's like, it's a very important box set because it's her yeah. history and all that. Um, from all the actor sets that we released, the only one that really sold well um, was Audie Murphy Volume 1. And if you remember when we put out um, uh, we put out Carol Lombard, I think she was one that we had originally, we had announced two box sets. So, so mm -hmm. we actually, she was on, but that was before we decided not to do any more box sets. You know, uh, yeah. um, the only one we actually numbered as Volume 1, we never had a Volume 2 for was Deanna Durbin. Because originally it was going to be three volumes of Deanna Durbin films, but we went back to to Universal and begged them to take the three films back and replace it with something else. The good cool, the cool thing was Universal eventually put those out themselves. Um, but 
So Audie Murphy was the only one to sold well. So I did Audie Murphy 2 and 3. Um, people may ask, well, why didn't you include this movie or whatever? And uh, some people say, why is Gunsmoke? Well, some some of the films don't have HD masters. The only way I will be releasing these type of collections is if they've already been remastered in HD. Now, I, on the new deal, I'm adding Volume 4 and Volume 5 of Audie Murphy. Okay, so Volume 4 and Volume 5, Volume 4, all three titles have been remastered by, by Universal. Volume 5, all three have been remastered, but one of the films, the aspect ratio is wrong. It's supposed to be uh, uh, 2.0 or 185, and they have it at 137. Um, and that's a film that we actually had picked up originally for Volume 3 of... Uh, of uh, the volume three set, and we have to drop it. So that film, we are going to actually do a brand new transfer on. Um, but eventually, I think we may may complete the Universal Audie Murphy's films. We're going to put all of them out. Wow! So at this point, we have four and five. We have released Night Passage by itself because that's with James Stewart, and To Hell and Back is not going to fit because it's not a. It's more of a. We're, I'm talking about his, his westerns. Yeah, but you put it out. You put to hell yeah. and back out. So yeah, if we did. come to a point where we only have two left and we need a third film, we may go back and include Night Passage, and maybe do a new transfer or something like that. Yeah. So people are That's not angry about the fact that they bought it originally. Um, Would you do also that for the me? film noir sets? We're all gonna eventually. We're gonna probably repackage some of the films and put them out mm -hmm. as additional sets, uh, especially if they're Films that from same director or same actor or whatever. That's, that's what I mean. Well, I was gonna. Do those box sets sell better than the single releases, or does it just depend on yeah, the time? The, the film more boxes have been very. I'm very I'm very happy with. Yeah. Um, of course, some have sold better than others. Um, but uh, in this new Paramount deal, we have at least another. Six or five or six volumes. Holy cow! And there's gonna be some titles that have been previously released by Olive. Yeah, like this current box that had two titles that had never been out before. The one we just announced, <clears throat> but it also had Crash Out. And Crash Out had been previously released by me when I was at Olive. Now <clears throat> I reacquired it because the Paramount has done a brand new transfer. And the previous release had no extras, so we were able to get a nice audio commentary for it by Alan Alan Rohde, you know. So mm -hmm. um, that's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, the Paramount deal has uh, a bunch of Norse. Let's talk about you gave me a natural transition point. I want to talk about Olive really quick because Olive has closed their doors now. But people may or may not know. I think we've covered it before, but. You worked at Olive. You came in about, it was about a decade ago, and you were doing uh, the, the catalog thing. A lot of what you're doing for Kino. Well, Olive, Olive, Olive Films existed before I went there. They had yeah. released like eight or nine DVDs, very minor films. Uh, when I decided to leave Kino was because it wasn't anything to do with the merger or anything like that. It was because Kino at that time was not ready to do what I wanted to be what I wanted to do, which was studio releases. I felt it was like a perfect time where home video business was kind of going coming down, where the studios who had never wanted to license their films again are now actually opening their vaults 
So I said, this is a perfect opportunity for us to do this. My previous boss, God bless his soul, you know, he passed away, uh, said, no, we would rather renew some titles. We, I don't want to, I don't have, we don't have enough funds available to pick up this 25 or 30 films you want to pick up. So I knew the person at, all, at, at Olive and I went to him and I said, hey, how about I built you, I, you know, we built you a new brand and put your label on the map. And so we discussed, we agreed. I had I negotiated the deal with Paramount, went to the Jerry Lewis building at the lot. <laughs> I remember that very cl cl clearly sitting there. And so we finally agreed on a list of titles. We ended up picking up 27 films. And the first five movies we put out were Crack in the World, Henny Calder, and Three Film Noirs, Union Station, Appointment with Danger, and Dark City. And I could tell you some of those films are part of the current deal. <laughs> We've acquired some of those again. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was there, I wanted to do extras, but he was very much against it. He was like, oh, let's do, later on, we could do signature editions, and which they started doing after I left. They did, yeah. Uh, I told them, well, you could do that for certain movies, but you cannot do that for Dark City and Union Station. So why don't we add like, a commentary or maybe even a trailer if we could find it? They didn't want to do it. I forced some extras in, like for the Boogans or for a few other titles, we ended up doing some some extras. But um, And then, uh, so I pretty much put them on the map. And then after four years, I decided to come back to Kino. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you've been slowly but surely bringing over a lot of titles that they've let go, that I'll have let go, be bringing them over to Kino Lorber. And as yeah, recently... well, they didn't, they didn't, they expired, you know, they didn't let go. Right, but, right. But I, I, this was like, those were titles that I think Eric Wilkinson, who does MVD, yeah. <laughs> he acquired for all of Eric again. His he was there, again. he replaced me for a very short period, but he could tell you the, the story himself. I'm not going to tell you, but he left after a few months of there, he left and he went to MVD. And Let's call Eric really quick. Let's get him on the line. <laughs> but Eric acquired the American Ninja films for, uh, as soon as they found out that I was doing an MGM deal, <laughs> they went into God. Yeah. Uh, when we announced our first eight or so MGM titles in July of 2014, next year will be the 10th anniversary. Um, uh, Olive, with the help of... Uh, 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 Eric Wilkinson and um, and another Kino employee, Brad Wood, they picked up some some MGM titles. So I had I had nothing to do with the MGM acquisitions, but everything that they had acquired on Paramount from Paramount. Well, you do now, but you do now. Library, yeah. All of that stuff I had acquired. I was I was all my all, like. Uh, so Republic? Did you just say Republic? Yeah, I, all the stuff that we released, The Quiet Man, and all that. It was all my acquisitions. What? So now that that you don't have to answer this, but I want to ask you anyway, just to see if you'll if you if, see if you will. So all those Republic pictures, I know they're not huge sellers. I'm thinking about those John Wayne movies from like 1933 or whatever it was, the Three Musketeers, things like that. We put all of those out on Blu-ray when I was there. So you did. Now yeah. that they're gone, now that Olive's gone, any chance of those coming over to Kino Lorber? Because those discs. No, I mean, I, I I I have the sales history in front of me. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, you, know, you know, I when I was at the few that I didn't release at Olive, like Dakota, yeah, uh, the one with Gene Arthur that I ended up releasing here. Uh, I'm forgetting Lady, Lady, I forgot what it's called, Lady something. Uh, 
It was with Gene Arthur and John Wayne. There was like two or three that I hadn't released at the um, at Olive. I ended up releasing there and here, and they didn't sell well for us. And mm-hmm. from the thirties and forties films that he did for Republic, of course, Rio Grande, Quiet Man, yeah, Quiet Man is huge. That's a major, major. Sands of Iwo Jima, a few other ones have have done well. Majority of those films, even the really good ones like Dark Command and stuff like that, they're not big sellers. So the three of the, the Musketeers films, maybe somebody could pick them up and put them out as, as a collection, as eight films. But if you're going to do that, why not pick up the whole Musketeers library? Because it was like, there was, I think they made like 50 of those. With, yeah. There was only eight of them that involved, uh, involved John Wayne. And he did four before Stagecoach and four after. We probably had, but when Stagecoach came out, he became too big of a star to, to stay yeah. in Musketeers. Um, and uh, so uh, Lady Takes a Chance. That was another one that I released at, at Kino. That, so from all the, all the uh, John Wayne Republic titles that I passed on, uh, that I ended up not releasing at Olive, uh, for one reason or another, both Dakota and Lady Takes a Chance, the, the, the film elements were in really bad shape. That's why when I was at Olive, I passed on it. A lot of people said, why didn't you guys release those two? Well, we didn't. But when I came to Kino, I looked at that they had just newly re- restored both. I picked them up and put them out. I, I wish I could tell you that they did really well, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, the reason the I same, the same is true. That... The same is true for the Raw Rogers movies. The Raw Rogers yeah. movies did, didn't do oh. as well as that as we hoped, you know, we picked them up. They were, you know, William Whitney films. They're very good. They're beautiful yeah. color films. Um, some the of reason the I ask you are... about it is because I'm afraid that they're going to die. I'm afraid that those movies are going to be lost. They're going to go out of print. I guess there's digital. There's always digital for they, stuff like that. They all have been, but the, the one thing that I could tell you is that Paramount has been incredible. I mean, just amazing as a company for per- saving these films. Okay. These, they know these films are not going to be Money makers for them, but they're right. protecting them. They're they're preserving them. Okay. Most of the public library has been remastered in HD. They're all like they're all like in good shape now. Anything they they, they actually went after films that were about to like they were hanging on, on their last leg, and if they hadn't uh, done a scan and done the work needed to create a brand new master, those films could have been, could have been eventually lost. Mm-hmm. So they did save a lot of films. And, well, uh, I know from our past conversations that preservation is important to you, which is another reason I wanted to ask yeah. you. Yeah, and then and, and I could say that yeah, they not they may not be available in the home video market or even streaming, but the films themselves will be safe. Okay. And if somebody one day wanted to go and acquire them and put them out again, they could. Would would that be me? I don't think so. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to put a call out to the viewers. Let's pool our money together and buy those Republic movies so we can put those out. Well, well I can tell you that I, I did pick up some John Wayne titles in the new, in the new Paramount deal, okay. um, or or any of them Republic. I think maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I asked for uh, the Quiet Man and Rio Grande, and they didn't want to license those two. Um, but well, here this is another thing about Olive that, and I I may cut this out. I just I'll I'll have to think about how I feel about this, but I'm going to ask you while we're here. When that news came out that they were they're going out of business, a lot of people were like, "Should I buy these discs 
now there was a lot of the fear of missing out, right? Like, well, I got to get as many of those olive titles as I can. But then there were a lot of people that were saying, no, Frank will bring those over. He'll bring everything that he can to Kino Lorber. So people trusted you to save a lot of these. It was, and you have, you've brought a lot of the formerly olive titles over to Kino Lorber. So um, yeah, I know and, and in the new, in the new uh, Paramount deal, we have at least, at least 20, maybe 25. Wow. Okay. Previously released titles. And they'll be better because they'll have, uh, extras you know most of and the time they all, they all have, they're all they all have new transfers yeah they're gonna have uh, superior transfers they were because I, I have to be honest that all of we were very uh, um, you know we had limited funds and some of the masters we released i was not happy with and and i think paramount probably wasn't happy with so paramount went back and remastered a lot of those films mm -hmm. so when i saw that they were being remastered i was like you know what let me pick those up again and re-release them Better transfers, better encoded, subtitles, commentary, maybe trailer. I don't know. Yeah. So you're you're a visionary. Because you know what the 10 years ago things were so different. This whole scene was so it was just the beginning of what we see now. Like the the seeds you planted back then are still Yeah, I mean it's like I said, the, the business is regularly uh changing. So if you don't change with it, you're not gonna survive. Yeah. You have to do things differently. Um, as far as 4K format is concerned, I'm willing to take more chances. But the price of the transfer, the advance, and everything else that's involved has to make sense. So I may release a lesser title on 4K because it's an easier release than a more deserving one because it's going to cost so much mm -hmm. that I'm not sure we're going to recoup. So yeah. we cannot, uh, you know, it's not about nobody could accuse us of being, uh, doing things only for money because we have released more uh, uh, obscure films than anybody else in the business. And I'm not talking about what well, people say, well, yeah, well, what about all these B-movies, these you know, labels like Code Red and Scorpion and, and um, well, B-movies actually will make, they make money. Yeah. A lot of those B-movies, those B-sci-fi horror titles, they actually are money makers because the current Blu-ray audience loves that, that, that genre. Mm -hmm. But when I pick up a 1940s or 1930s lesser known film because a key director is involved or a couple of really good actors are in the cast, I know those are not going to make money for us. They're not going to be, if they're if they're part of a package of films that um, are going to have some major successes in them, then it makes that decision for me a lot easier. Then I'm like, okay, I could acquire this film, even though I'm not going to probably make that much of a profit. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to really lose money on it. And all these other bigger films that are part of the same package, same umbrella, are going to kind of protect the lesser ones. Mm -hmm. And you and, want them out because you love movies, and that's—I mean—you're running a business, I, but you also I mean, just want look to at the film noir, out. the film noir collections. There are films that I put out in the film noir collection. I mean, I wouldn't say we have scraped the bottom <laughs> of the universal yeah. uh, film noir barrel because there is like ten or fifteen there. That I'm, I'm like, no, I cannot touch those. 
Um, but we have gone as, as, as far as we could with those when it comes to universal titles. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, with Paramount, we, we're in the, and MGM and maybe other partners in the future, we'll be able to do more of them, you know? Could you imagine uh, if you could ever get access to that Warner Brothers archive? Because they've got some great film. Just yeah, but again, if I got access to Warner Brothers archive, Am I going to go after the little film noirs or if I'm going to go after stuff that I know? So yeah. you have to understand. Um, I know that the preservation department is very demanding. I know that their masters cost more than uh, masters for another label, another studio may cost. So that makes acquisitions of uh, some you know, a really cool uh, film noir that they, they had released in a box that a lot mm -hmm. more riskier for me, you know, yeah. uh, because unless they've already remastered it. If they've already remastered it, then it makes it easier. Gotcha. Well, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, you've been really generous with your time. As we wind down, is there anything that you want to talk about or that you want to promote that's coming up? No, I just I just wanted to bring up the fact that, that there's this... Uh, we're, we're we're working on some really great stuff, you know. We got, like I said, we got a studio canal deal, uh, which is going to include a lot of renewals. I would say more than half is renewals, uh, but it's over a hundred titles, um, wow. and we have a universal deal that's going to be hopefully happening early next year. Uh, we just signed the Paramount deal that's over a hundred films. We're working on TF1. We're working on MGM. Uh, the MGM package kind of excites me because it's very Blu-ray centered and it's very, you know, cult centered and it has a lot of renewals and it has some titles that have HD masters that have never been put out and I'm, I'm taking a chance of putting them out of Studio Classics. Um, what else is there? I mean... We're working how on other stuff that I cannot really discuss. But... How are the French movies that you've got to deal with Gaumont? How are French movies doing? Some of them do very well. Um, I think sometimes these collections really work. I think the French French noir, the French noir set did well, and we may mm -hmm. look into doing more of those um, if if they become if the right ones become available. Now, in this current TF one deal, we have one French noir. I'm not gonna go and take two of our previous ones and that we released and put them on a the set. Right. I'm gonna probably release that one by itself. But if we end up doing another Gaumont or TF1 or another Pathé or somebody else deal or MK2 and there's titles there that we could acquire and put as a collection uh, we would. The French Noir set was like a very it's like a, all three films were very good. Uh, they all have major stars in them. You know, Jean Gabin, uh, Jean Moreau and, uh, and Lino Ventura. Um, last, I think the only uh, um, I would say that, yeah, they're also, the French films are more, are riskier than, if I'm picking a 70s action film from France, it's not gonna, it's not the same as me picking up a, you know, like, there's no way a title like Outside Man would do as well as Seven Ups or something like that. It's just not, that's not possible. Right. But, uh, you know, but Outside Man is probably going to do much better than a lesser known Jean-Paul Bomando, uh, action film from the 70s um, because it has major American stars in it and it's mostly in English and all of that. Um, 
but um, I, I guess the we could if we're gonna. Last time I know I'm, <laughs> I confirmed the TV show during the interview. Um, you did, yeah. yeah. Maybe I should do that again. It's just confirm oh. something. Well, I guess uh, I could say that next year, and I'm gonna say pick a Paramount release because a lot of deals are not signed yet. Next year we will put out Shane on 4K UHD um, for the first time. So Fantastic. That's, that's one of the all-time great Westerns. And yes. We're going to put it out. So that was uh, that's some, that was a, that's an acquisition I'm very happy about. I'm very happy that's going to come out soon. Um, like I said, it's one of the most beautifully shot films ever. Um, and uh, it's going to look amazing, I think, on HDR Dolby Vision. So that's great. Thank you so much for announcing that, and thank you for uh, thank you for putting that out. You know, a lot when these videos go up, people say to me, "Please tell Frank thank you for what he does," because they see the work that you put into this stuff, and they really appreciate it. But they don't necessarily have a direct line to tell you. No, that. So I, I, I appreciate I appreciate the fans. We wouldn't be anywhere without them. Yeah. You wouldn't have your show. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Right. It's the fans that really carry everything. Is that they? There are times that, um, you know, I wish we could do everything on 4K and I release every title on, uh, you know, on HDR, but that's that's not realistic. And their decisions, every decision we make, uh, you know, I, I think about it for a long, long time. Right? It's just like it's not when I decide, like, okay, let's add, let's release Uncle Buck on 4K and not Fletch. Believe me, I love the Fletch movies. I grew up, I saw both of them in the theaters. I love those films. If the Blu-rays do really well for me two, three years from now, would I put them out on 4K? Yeah, maybe I would. But at this point, I felt more confident putting out Uncle Buck on 4K than I did Fletch. Am I right or am I wrong? I don't know. I think I've done pretty well in this business, so I think I have a pretty good idea of what, what things work. But the, the differences between the two films, it's not just, oh, it's John Candy bigger than Chevy Chase. I don't think that's the case. I think it's John Hughes. Mm -hmm. You know, Macaulay Culkin, all that stuff when he put it all in. Mean, that was the big that was the beginning of that that film led to Home Alone, you know, and everything else. So so I think that's why I mean I could tell you in the in the next Universal Paramount deals, I'm doing more comedies on 4K. Great. We are gonna put out more comedies. Fantastic. Uh, some 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 pretty some pretty big ones. Um so a year ago, two years ago, outside of Spaceballs, I wasn't too confident putting out stuff, putting out comedies on 4K. Now I'm willing to take a chance. I know they're not going to do the kind of numbers that Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Good, Bad, and the Ugly and stuff like that does. But I think with some of the prices, like the authoring and stuff coming down a little bit, I'm willing to take more chances. Uh, and especially when something like uh, Last Castle or The Score becomes available to us. you know, And it's not going to cost us any additional mastering uh expense yeah well that's great um it's up to us to support it now you put the comedies out we got to support them people say well comedy's dead well it's not dead but we got to support this stuff well so. comedy as a genre is pretty dead now but the classic comedies are not dead the classic comedies still are still 
Yeah, there are people. People still love them. I mean, I would. Uh, you know, I mean, anybody that tells me like, you know, Young Frankenstein and Airplane and stuff like that, those, those movies are not dead. Those movies would yeah. always be around. Naked Gun, you know, stuff like that. But I'm also like, my, me, me taking a chance. I'm talking about, um, you know, '90s comedies, 2000s. You know, I mean, you gonna put out it's Pat on 4K. Which one? I so said, you gonna put out it's Pat on 4K? Not as Pat, but I would put out if if it was available to me, I would put out Waterboy on 4K from the same studio. Yeah. So I would put that out if it was available. To me. Um, but unfortunately, that's what. Uh, but I, like I said, I would put out certain type of titles uh, uh, on 4K because I think they have a cult following. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're not just comedies; they're also cult kind of kind of. They become they've kind of moved into becoming kind of cult classics, and yeah. those are the comedies that I have a little bit more. I have more uh, uh, confidence in putting out on 4K because. Uh, now people also you know missing an action. We remastered two of those films from 4K scans, and the third one in 2K, which annoyed some people. But yeah, uh, again, five years from now, three, four, three years from now, two years from now, would we put those out on 4K? Maybe, maybe we would, maybe we won't. Same with uh, uh, Code of Silence. Same with a lot of other titles that we put out uh, action films with you know Chuck Norris, Charles Bronson films. At this point. I cannot see myself putting out Mr. Majestic on 4K. Two years from now, maybe. Uh, at this point, if I there's probably like a handful of Charles Bronson films. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about I'm not talking about Magnificent Seven and Great Escape and stuff that he was in. I'm talking about Charles Bronson in the lead. Yeah. There's probably a handful of of, of of his films that would take the chance of putting out on 4K. And one of them was Death Wish, which I already put out. And if I if Vinegar Syndrome had not put Death, Death Wish two, I would have put that out. Um, so, but I'm not gonna put up four and five, three maybe. <laughs> four and five, you know. I'm sorry, I'm not that crazy. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, it's just it's just not gonna. Those are those are too risky. So, yeah, you. I think your track record speaks for itself, and I think that your gut has carried you a pretty long way. So keep listening to it. Well, thank you. It was nice, nice doing this again. I will talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. It's always a pleasure. We want to encourage people to go check out uh, the Kino Lover website and to uh, there's a new Amazon store, right? It's Kino Lover store on Amazon that we should reference. Yeah, yeah, it's the Kino Film Collection. Yeah, that's uh, so yeah. about 350 to 400 films. We uh, we're adding new movies every. Uh, I'm not sure every week or every month. So that's that's also an exciting uh, thing that's happening for us. We may end up sometimes putting out some studio titles on there, license them and put them on there. So especially our new restorations and stuff like that. So they'll be up for a short period of time where people will go there and watch them via streaming if they don't want to be buying discs. But that's that doesn't mean that we're giving up on physical media because forever. What I'm working on right now and continue to work on, if people actually saw what it was, it would be pretty intense. Uh, we're we're acquiring a lot of stuff, so I bet you are. So yeah. we'll be around uh, doing this at least for another few years. So, well, I can't wait for it. Thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Anytime. 
I come out of these interviews really fired up, really excited because you know, I'm going to say it again, we're living in a golden age for physical media. And that doesn't mean that it's the most widely adopted format for the masses. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about adoption. I'm talking about choice and quality. I'm talking about how all these movies now, we never have had so many movies getting 4K restorations, uh, commentaries, the kind of packaging that collectors go gaga over. We have never had it so good. We are living in the golden age of the boutique era, and I am here for it. And, and Frank Tarzi is one of the people responsible for making this happen. Listen, if you like this interview, if this is one of your first uh, engagements with Serial at Midnight, I do this with a lot of companies. I've done interviews with many of the heads of, of the distributors, and uh, it's something I continue to do. This is a, a passion of mine is to talk to the people behind the scenes, find out how the sausage is made. So dig into the podcast archive, dig into the Serial at Midnight YouTube interview archive. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of conversations just like this. I talked to Kenneth Johnson, the showrunner for The Incredible Hulk and the Six Million, the, the, it worked on The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, V. Uh, I've talked to... Uh, uh, talk to Don Murphy, the producer of the Transformers franchise. But if you're like, well, the Transformers movies aren't for me, how about Natural Born Killers? You know, how about adapting comic books and video games to uh, movies in the 90s before that was really widely done? That's such an interesting conversation. And he started in horror. He's directed one movie, and it was a horror movie. I was talking about maybe a thriller. I got to talk to him about that. It's an awesome conversation. So these are the conversations I am pursuing with Serial at Midnight. This is what I want to do. This is what we're talking about here. Thank you guys for showing up. And listen, hey, anything you can do to support Serial at Midnight would be greatly appreciated. I do not make money off of this. This is not, I don't like, they're, this is given to you for free. I give these away for free because I love to do them. But there's no monetary reward here. I don't do sponsorships. So anything that you can do to support Serial at Midnight is so appreciated. There's Patreon. There's YouTube memberships. For five bucks a month, you can become a YouTube member. Keeps this channel going and it gets you access to exclusive conversations. And it's not throwaway stuff either. I really try to put... Uh, a lot of fun and personality into the exclusives. It's it's things from my collection and conversations that aren't that we're just not having anywhere else. So uh, I just want everyone to hear that whatever you can do, everybody, every single person makes a difference. Not just for me, but for every independent creator, every single person that supports them makes a huge difference. It makes it possible. So again, thanks to everybody that's left reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for all the engagement on YouTube. Thanks for the thumbs ups. Thanks for the likes, the subscriptions, the comments. If you're not subscribed to this, do it right now. Subscribe. Go down, click that button, subscribe, ring the bell so that YouTube is not in control of what you watch. You are. Be in control of what you watch. Guys, this is a, this is, this is, um, a joy for me. The, talking to Frank Tarzi, talking to you guys, sharing this content. This is an absolute joy for me. Uh, I'm excited about it. I feel optimistic. I just get fired up. I'm like, this is what I love and we're in such a good time for it. So I know you're here for it too. Thank you guys so much. Uh, continue the conversation. Listen, you can, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's comments. If you're watching, if you're listening to this on the podcast, feel free to reach out, fire an email away. All the, all the uh, links are in the description of this episode. Let's continue the conversation. I love this stuff and I appreciate you guys. Take care. Until next time, I will catch you later.